We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. God bless you. Welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories, brought to you by Refuge Ministries Canada. For the next half hour, your hearts will be filled with hope as you hear real-life stories from individuals that have been changed by the power of God. Enjoy the show. Hi, my name is Dave. Dave Shear, to be precise. How you doing, Brian? Good. Well, I'm Dave, and I'm the host of Refuge Freedom Stories. Today, I'm interviewing Brian Danter. He was the lead singer and bassist for, and is still, I believe, for the hard rock band Tees. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. And I remember that band. <laughs> My dad used to come to a, a few of our concerts, and he, I said, Dad, what's the best way you'd describe it? He said, Crash Bang Thud. <laughs> <laughs> yep. My father uh, was a, uh, real, really briefly, he was a man to be honored, great man. I, I mean, I sat at his feet and, uh, you know, he didn't climb Mount Everest and go very far in school, but he was a, a great father, a great, great example. You know, nice. very dedicated to my mother and the family. And between my two brothers, I have two brainiacs. Like one's a CEO of a medical research company. My other younger brother's a retired teacher, and he taught physics, uh, chemistry, algebra, like all the hard yeah. stuff. Yeah, but I love sitting at his feet and listening to all about the depression and the war years and mm. how they made it through those difficult times. And uh, I miss him when, when he was gone. He lived to 90. Wow. So, Brian, how does your story start? I'll let you take it where you want to. I mean, we're going back to the 70s to start yeah. with and there's been a lot of things that happened i mean i know with the band from reading up on it somebody made a commitment to christ and <laughs> yeah it would be you eh and then the, ba- the band broke up is that right yeah you know like dave i was gonna say um, uh, my brothers never basically intimidated me at all they're very very intelligent school and i struggled a lot in school it's not yeah. that you know my parents and all that said i never had the ability just in an academic world i couldn't comprehend things but i'm visual yeah you know what i mean so all your main subject math english and you know all the other stuff but i excelled in history yes <laughs> now you try and get that one because <laughs> of my dad right i learned from him yes so anyways i started off in music I remember like, like even before the Beatles, Jerry Lee Lewis and, you know, uh, Chuck Berry and all those. Well, I used to grab a broom handle as a young boy and the aerial on the TV when nobody's home and I pretend, right? Yeah. So I had a love at a very young age for, uh, for music. And mm-hmm. my grandmother, very praying woman, she was a violinist in an orchestra in, I don't believe it was London. I believe it was, she was from Birmingham, but okay. she played in, in that. And then that violin later transferred also to my grandfather and he played in the pubs all over England. So that's oh. where I get musical background is from my mom's side. 
Nice. And a funny story, he wanted to get in, but when the First World War broke out, so he was actually too old, but he put shoe polish in his hair and he goes, nah, nah, we're not buying that. So So he continued playing in pubs. But I eventually, down through the years, I inherited that violin and I have it as a keepsake. Yeah. But I I found with music, uh, I I struggled so much in school academically. Mm -hmm. But when history class was there, I was sharp as a tack. But I just found, and my dad, was always a great encourager and I probably sh- should have listened to him when I look back as you know gone to school and everything and music but I had a good ear you know and I could tell notes and everything and I could pick up stuff but I didn't learn the, the actual sheet music side of it a little bit till later on actually when I left tease okay and, yeah so well I started off playing in in uh, you know Saturday afternoon basement bands and stuff like that and then eventually we got to play in you know high school dances and all of that and it just seemed for me Dave Whenever there was an opportunity, the band fell apart. If there was another opportunity, I always jumped at it. So I kind of went up the ranks that way. And when I got out of school, I started working in a music store. And, you know, bringing a little forward in that, I used to audition musicians when they'd come in to try out equipment. Mm -hmm. And the bars had lowered the age to 18. Way back, Mm -hmm. I forget what year it was. And I played the bars for about a year and a half. Didn't like it, you know, because I was more of a concert musician. And, you know, I would look out there... And most of the people were there for dates or picking up somebody, (laughs) you know, and so I wanted to put a concert band together. And so I went rehearsing people and I thought, you know what, I'm not going to get people that I've been playing with. They're used to the bars they're making good money. So I auditioned actually guys that were younger than me when they came in and that's how tease formed. And we rehearsed for nine months, never played a gig. And then we figured it's time to go out. Now we started writing our own music. We invited all the, you know, student uh, body presidents and that from the whole Windsor and County. And we come out and we'd put on a, like a 20 minute concert. Well, that night we booked so many high schools and that's how everything kind of happened with T's. Our name originally was Ontario, but then we found out we couldn't copyright the name Ontario. Oh man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So later on, it was our guitar player. Uh, He was reading a magazine and he he saw the name T's. And so it kind of all stuck with us. But our last concert that we did in Windsor, the band, the Stampeders, yep. had just come through and they played in Windsor. And for some reason, their road manager showed up at Sandwich High School and it was packed right out. And back then, of course, I was really into early Floyd, you know, mm-hmm. who was using lights when other bands were just like red, green, yellow, blue. That's it. You know, throw a couple yep. of trees on it. I was always memorized with the theatrics of the setting of Floyd. So we went and rented every light we could in Windsor. We got three follow spots on scaffolding. I mean, back then, <laughs> for a local band, you just didn't do that. Oh, but that's elaborate. He was there. Yeah. Yeah. And went, uh, that's back in 1975. Wow. And so he was there. He came and talked to us in the dressing room. And when the Stampeders now went back to Toronto, we talked to their manager, Mel Shaw. Mm-hmm. And then within a couple months, we were really rehearsing we didn't even have enough material for an album he wanted us down to lagrange on the other side of toronto mm-hmm. we ended up going in there we did one whole day session mm-hmm. and we we did everything live very few overdubs i did some vocal overdubs that's about it they pressed it they got the song and all of a sudden it's being played on chum radio and we got a lot of hits and you know when we got success in japan it was the first album all the other studio elaborate albums it was the first album that japan liked that actually got us a a ticket to go to japan wow man (laughs) 
you know, to bring it forward, Dave, I, I love the playing. I love the guys in the band. But, you know, the lifestyle really had its toll on me. And before I left for Toronto, backing up when I was working at the music store and the band was rehearsing and we were playing around, five ex-convicts walked into the music store one day. I was there alone. They walked in and, Dave, there was something different about them. Their dialogue, everything that they were talking about with one another. And I thought, I've never seen this kind of union among guys. And then I found out they're all ex-cons. One guy was from L.A. And anyways, he had family up here and he'd moved. His family had grown. He was put in jail by the guy that was actually handling the Robert Kennedy assassination. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, all the guys spent time. Two of them spent time in a federal penitentiaries down in uh, California. And the other guys spent time here, you know, in the, the prisons down in, in Canada. So mm. I would have never known they were ex-cons. Mm. So they were playing a, a gig that Friday. They came in Monday or Tuesday. They, I started talking to them and asking questions. You know, big mistake. <laughs> they started sharing about the Lord and typical Jesus freak. I thought, you know, but I listened to them and one of them came back and said, hey, we're, we're playing down in Aurelia. Would you like to go with us? I tried to make up any excuse I could to get out of it. Yep. They invited me down to this meeting that they were doing. I said, I'm too busy because we, we rehearsed like eight days a week and we never had a day off. Well, he invited me. He says, I'll call you tonight. So one of my band members said, look, it, there's no way we can practice this weekend. So I see the Lord's intervention in that. So Tom, one of the guys, called me again later, you know, when I was at home in my apartment. And, you know, I, I couldn't lie to him. I couldn't. So I just said, yeah, I'll go. And I got off the phone smoking a joint. And I can't believe what I just said, yeah. <laughs> said to him. So anyways... That all happened, and uh, these guys sang, and I'd never heard anything like that. Gave their testimonies, and anyways, uh, I was down there two nights, and you know, they didn't drill me, but any questions I had to ask about the gospel and anything, they seemed to have the answers, you know, right to mm -hmm. the scripture and that. So the second night when they did an altar call, I couldn't resist, and I went forward. I fell on the floor practically when I got up to the front, and they all got off. That's how everything kind of started from them. Yeah. So when we were moving to Toronto with our record company because our, our album took off, you know, I would always say in my testimony, you know, then you backslid. I said, well, I never backslid because I never grew as a Christian. I just yeah. received the Lord, right? And, you know, David, all through those almost six years with T's, in the successful years, I always would say this it was like oil and water in a pop bottle and you shake it and shake it and shake it and shake it. It doesn't matter if you shook it for a month and put it down, the oil's all going to come to the top. Yep. And that was like my life, like go do these gigs. Mm. And I was not a partier or stuff like that. Like the guys would go out. I would go back to my hotel room and I'd put on gospel programming and Hunter Huntley and stuff like this. And I never really like shared my faith. Well, you know, after touring like big tours of our own. You know, we opened up for like Cheap Trick, Meatloaf, Kiss, Aerosmith, yeah. Blue Oyster Cult. I mean, yeah. they're just people, but you know- No, they weren't. I, I they were my favorite bands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and it just seemed the success was yeah. going. And for me, I was on stage at Montreal Forum and it was jam packed. We had three dates with Aerosmith mm. and we played London Gardens, which I think is tore down now. Yes. Maple Leaf Gardens. Mm -hmm. And then we did Montreal Forum. Wow. And we always viewed ourselves as a Windsor band wherever we went. But mm -hmm. because of, of living there now, after moving from Toronto, uh, Montreal kind of adopted us as their band, uh. you know, from Montreal. So Pack Night, we just come out doing our fifth album and Heartless World. I sang that 
And uh, I'll tell you, Dave, it was, you know, in the flesh, it was electrifying. Back then, they didn't have cell phones. They all had lighters and matches. Yep. <laughs> you know? That's right. And the place just lit up after we finished it. Well, we came back because they were chanting our name. They wouldn't let us go. We came back and did an encore. And that's when I had a, a kind of what they call is, I don't know, an out-of-body experience. Wow. I was playing on stage. I was looking at the audience. It was packed. And I haven't told this part of it in a long time. And all of a sudden, it's like in my mind. I, I wasn't missing a, a beat. I was playing my guitar. I was singing. It's like I was looking at myself from behind. I mean, it, it was so freaky looking at everybody. Mm -hmm. And then as clear as a bell without making this, I heard in the midst of everything, you like this, Brian. And, I, and I'm just, I'm conversating in my head and I'm not messing my vocals up. I'll give you all this and more mm -hmm. if you worship me. And I knew exactly whose voice it was. Yeah. Because I was a Christian, right? Yeah. So with that, everything just kind of fizzled out. And now I'm, I'm very tense. I'm, I'm having to really watch how I'm playing bass and singing just to get through the song. Yeah. Well, they all wanted to go out in the limousine. They all wanted to, you know, go out with our management and the management from Aerosmith and Party. And I said, no, I can't. So I went back to the Lossy Hotel, brand new hotel. I was on the 14th floor and I went in my room and uh, Dave, I, I kind of went, uh, I, I, I don't know how to process this. Yeah. So you know what I did? I smoked the joint and I thought that would bring me peace. And for a, a momentary time, I went up, uh, over to the window mm -hmm. and I was going to jump out the window. Oh. Because I couldn't handle the trauma of this mentally. Plus, I'm stoned. I thought that would relax me. And I went to open up the window. And it was one of those side. It only opened up this much. <laughs> so I said to myself, Brian, what are you doing? So I went back to walk uh, near the bed. And I fell on the floor. Yes. And I put a praying position. And I, I prayed to the Lord. And I said, Lord, look, it, I know you're reaching out to me. And I said, I, I can't live this double life anymore. And I was crying out to God. And I didn't even know if he was listening. Mm -hmm. And I remember I said from smoking and everything, I had a hoarse voice. Yes. I could, I could hardly talk. And I said, God, if you're listening, I said, would you do one favor for me? Would you just take this hoarseness right out of my voice before I could finish Dave? My voice was as clear as anything, Man, you know, for about 20 seconds or 25, whatever. Then it went back and mm. I went, God, I'm going to take that as from you. Yes. So that started the process. There was a lot of other things. Like I still had dates to finish and all this. And I remember playing with Bloister Cult. We were at the uh, Montreal Forum again. Mm -hmm. And at the end, they went off partying and I went to the very, very top of the uh, arena. And yeah. I'm looking down and I'd never saw this because we always laughed after the show. Mm -hmm. And I see, you know, about 20, 30 guys are probably maintenance guys with their brooms or mops. Yep. They're all joined together and they're, the chairs are gone and they're sweeping the floor well all this junk it was like guys who had been smoking up like you know baggies mm -hmm. wine bottles beer bottles and it just started piling up going towards the stage and i'm sitting there and you know like when i say the voice of the lord that impression i just felt like the holy spirit said softly you know brian you're gonna have to answer this wow and it was another aha moment that freaked me out so david from that point on i was really planning well how do i do this to the guys what am I going to go to? You know, I'm, I might have been 30. I forget. Mm -hmm. So anyways, uh, I had some time to go home. And whenever I came home, not very often, I'd come to see my parents. Mm -hmm. And I'd always go out to the church of the guys that led me to the Lord. Yeah. And I'd be in church. And I remember who's now my father-in-law. Whenever I showed up, here I had long hair, leather jacket, you know, jeans and Beatles-style boots and everything. He'd always say before he preached, 
oh, looks like Brian Danner there. Why don't we turn around and a bunch of you go over and argue? Well, I, you know, the lifestyle I was living, <laughs> you know, girls and the, I really yeah. didn't grow up drugs, but I mean, I always thought, you know, my last album I did, I was three or four days stoned on cocaine, mm. all that. I didn't have the heart to ever tell my mom and dad because I was raised good. And I went through my teenage years. I mean, I never even like smoked uh, anything mm. and or did any drugs. And But that comes with the lifestyle, Dave. Yeah. And I kept thinking there's a way to do this and play the music and write. And eventually it just got to me. So I'll tell you this one part of it. I came back from Windsor. We were playing in Hamilton with Cheap Trick. Okay. And it was a beautiful sunny day. And one of the guys in the Brethren, that's what they called themselves. They had a musical group, the Ex-Convicts. Mm-hmm. They used to go around singing and give their testimonies. One of them sent me a daily read that I used to read all the time by Oswald Chambers. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't opened it up in a while. So I opened it up and it fell right on this page. It said November 11th, what my obedience to Christ costs other people. So I read it just a daily reading. Mm-hmm. And it was like the ceiling moment that just said, Brian, whenever you make a decision, especially for Christ, it's always going to affect other people. Mm. It, it always will, either directly or indirectly. Yes. So that's when I realized if I'm going to make a break. That same weekend, I'd never been baptized. So I went to the church and I asked, who's now my wife, Lynn, her, her dad and them, to baptize me in the evening. So I went and uh, got baptized that night. And I knew David, when I come up out of the water, something had drastically changed in me. Yes. So I went back, did those dates and everything, and I never felt comfortable doing them. Mm-hmm. Then I came back back to Windsor and uh, never went back. I just made the decision. Mm-hmm. I called my manager, my road manager, my record company, my booking agent, Donald K. Don. Like I called them all. Mm-hmm. And my band members, they thought just I needed a lemonade, you know, by the, the lake, you know, <laughs> for a few weeks. Yeah. And uh, no, I was serious. So I never went back. Wow. You know, it was just, I was tired of the lifestyle, love mm-hmm. the music, but my band members always felt at a crucial time that I deserted them. That was yeah. the part that cost other people. Yes. So then uh, I end up marrying the preacher's daughter and we went out and sang for a whole year. I had my first daughter, Brianne, who's a tremendous artist, writer. She's got an album out. I, I listened to one of her songs yesterday. Oh, is it Peace? Yeah. Yeah. Through a friend of hers, she got that, the, the song, What You Deserve, which is the first song in the album. Mm-hmm. They played it one Sunday and she got calls in. So they kept playing that for over a month. Yes. Eventually, it became a top song of the month, like number one. Yep. So blown away by it. Like, that's a syndicated program uh, all over the United States. Mm-hmm. WMUZ, The Light, and they have good talk show. They play great music. Yes. But beginning of the year, they always have this contest, the top uh, 30 and the top 100. Mm-hmm. So at the end, Brianne's got in to the uh, first one, What You Deserve, got in the top 30. Wow. And her other song got in the top 100. That's for nice. the whole year. So nice. I'm just bragging on Brianna. <laughs> hey, you're a dad. You're allowed to do that, actually. You know, so that's kind of like sometimes in the interview process, what we're trying to do is cover those three main areas. The last one being what God's doing in your life today. And that's part of it. I mean, your family, your daughter and, yeah. and the blessing. Well, the, part I didn't, the part I didn't say, Dave, was that after I married Lynn, we've been traveling on the road. I mean, all over Canada, I mean, mm-hmm. churches summer camp meetings, everything, just playing together and, and singing and giving our testimony. And I got hired at a local church and I thought, no, nah, that's not for me. I'm made for the road. I want to mm-hmm. go out there 
So uh, everything just kind of stopped. And my wife felt, you know what, Brian, it's time for us to put roots down. And I think the Lord's opened this up. So I end up staying there 33 full-time years. I wow. was a worship leader for 25 years. Then we got asked to do youth. And yeah. I had to go up to 140 youth, which is a large youth group. Yeah, We ran for five years, my wife and I. And then the last three years, I just did ministry. And, and in that, that whole 33 years, I did, uh, when I was worship leader, I did 12 years of outreach concerts. Yep. And I played every penitentiary there is in mm-hmm. Ontario. We go twice a year. We go away for a week and we do gospel shows and set up. We play rock and roll. And, you know, I just, I, I was still the same guy. You know? Yeah. So when it was after that, I retired. And this is what happened. I was, I went down to two days a week and I was part time. We, I had tried to get the band back together about 10 years ago because I did an album called Trader's Gate, a solo project with a friend of mine. And it was an album, was supposed to be part of a trilogy. It was an album really designed to reach like the, the goths. So I was trying to put a, a tour together. So I came up with the idea. My wife and I suggested, why don't you ask if T's want to be your band to play it? And then to top the night off, you know, you'll do, you know, six or seven cuts that you'd approve of with T's. Well, two of them wanted, the other two didn't want to do it. So I just let it go. Yeah. So there was an opportunity three and a half years ago. There was an interest in Japan where we got a gold album and all the success over there mm-hmm. for us to go back. Well, then the band started getting interest and they approached me and I said, you know what? Nah, I'm not interested. I don't want to relive the glory days of the band and all that. Yeah. I tried to do it in a way, Dave, that I didn't insult them in that. So anyways, the guy who was trying to organize it, he texted me one night, three o'clock in the morning. I told him, you know, my whole faith and everything. And I just said, I I don't see how it could work. And he said, well, what about if you have an opportunity to share your faith? And I thought, I don't see how that would work. And I said, well, I don't know. I said, how do you make that fit in a secular realm without being religious, you know? And anyways, he said, you know, Brian, whatever you want to do with that, I don't have a problem with it. So then I went to my pastor the next day. I showed him the email and he said, Brian, a door's closing here. Your door's opening. So I went to my wife. She said, Brian, you know, all these years you were at the church, your band members never came once mm-hmm. to visit you at the church or anything. I, I feel at peace about it. So anyways, I met at a restaurant with the, all three original band members with me. We talked about their ideas. And I said, look, it, I'm just going to tell you right up front. I'm going to look at the repertoire and there's stuff that's neither bad nor good. It's just a song, right? And I get mm. that. And I said, I understand that. And I said, look, it, there's songs even that I wrote. I'm not even going to go there, you know, mm. and they were fine with that. So we started looking at the repertoire and I said, you know what? I want to tweak some of the songs. And they said, we don't have a problem with that. So now it's more like this is the way we were and yep. we aren't. I don't know, Dave, if you got to see anything, our reunion concert we did in 2019. I want to. I have not been able to. uh, If you would help me find that, that'd be awesome. Yeah, just just type in Tease Live 2019. At this point, I said, guys, look, I am not interested in all of doing what we used to do in that. What I want is a clean rock and roll show that you could bring the whole family to. Yes. I said, because I viewed a lot of the bands that I even used to follow, you know, it's just a lot of lewdness and a lot Mm. of F-bombing and all. And I said, I can't believe this is what people want. I said, I don't want none of that. So at rehearsal, every now and then, if if the guys maybe once or twice in the whole practice, 
if they slip, they go, oh, oh I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> yes. Okay. So I usually ask for something you would like to share, a scripture or something you would say to the listeners <laughs> today as your final thought. Yep. I think the biggest, one of the biggest scriptures I've really, really held on to is Psalm 34.4. For I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. Mm-hmm. I think fear, Dave, as a young boy, you know, fear of nuclear war, you know, fear of tragedy, fear of all that has mm-hmm. always been my thing that I always come back to. So I forget who said it. You know, when you do something, do it afraid and then the mm-hmm. strength come. Yes. <laughs> I, I know what when I got teased back together, I didn't know if I get a lot of backlash and a lot of criticism. I did get a, a few emails, but you know, because I felt the Lord was in it. Now, Dave, it's like, I want to be an example and a witness to these guys. So the whole reason I'm with the band right now, yeah, we get to play music, you know, is to, to hook up with them in this part of my life. We're all older. I turned 70 at the end of the month. Man, you look They're good, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep a young mind. That'll do it. Yeah. I raise kids, you know. My youngest is 22. Oh, amazing. Uh, yeah, Dave, I'm enjoying life. And even That's awesome. COVID's been difficult, but if mm-hmm. it hadn't have been the faith in our home and just trusting the Lord through all of this. So I don't know where it's going to go. Yeah, you know, who knows? Started, right? God I, does. I just started back rehearsing with uh, T's again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> Brian, I can't thank you enough for spending the time with us today, and I'm looking forward to speaking more with you. Yeah, um, love to, Dave. Thanks so much, Brian, for being with us today just love you man and we're connected we're connected in the family of christ right we're 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 brothers so god bless you man yeah god bless you thank you you're a living sin you're the holoquin in a one-act play and you've given up even though you can't say why so your hero died back in 69 
hope that you have enjoyed the last half hour as much as I did. Thank you again to Refuge Ministries Canada for hosting the show. So until next Friday, may God richly bless you with peace, love, and happiness. We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. That's 519-701-0108. God bless you.